Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, the parenting approach known as gentle parenting took off during the pandemic, with kids at home more and parents realizing they needed help. All over TikTok and Instagram now, videos and slide cards offer advice, and gentle parenting influencers draw millions of followers, sharing their tips and tricks for attending to and respecting a child's emotional needs. But as studies of the practice begin to get off the ground, researchers are finding parents reporting exhaustion, overwhelm, and confusion. Have you tried gentle parenting or seen others try it? What have you noticed or wondered about it? Tell us after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Gentle parenting has been described as parenting a child without shame, blame, or punishment, and it's gained more traction in recent years. Fans of the approach say it validates children's feelings, deepens parent-child bonds, and promotes the development of emotional intelligence. But emerging research is finding that gentle parenting can be hard to do correctly and consistently and may not be so gentle on parents, leading to stress and exhaustion. Have you tried or observed others using the gentle parenting approach? What's been your experience? You can share them at 866-733-6786 by posting on our social channels at KQED Forum or by emailing forum at kqed.org. Joining me is Dan Peters, a Bay Area psychologist and host of the podcast Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Great to be here. Also with us is Mercedes Samudio, licensed clinician in Southern California and author of Shameproof Parenting. Mercedes, thanks so much for being with us as well. Hi, everyone. Thanks for, so much for having me. Well, Mercedes, let me start with you, actually. What is gentle parenting? How do you define it? Gentle parenting to me is a parenting ideal that really encourages hmm. parents to see themselves and their child as both having the same human journey and really kind of infusing that journey with a lot of empathy and connection at the foundation of all of their parenting decisions. And is that the way you were parented? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. No. How are you parented, would you say? I would say I was parented more in an authoritarian kind of space where, or authoritative kind of space where my parents had the power. I was kind of a child and that I was to listen to them, follow their lead. And there may have been severe or moderate consequences for not following their lead. Hmm, so the appeal of gentle parenting, it sounds like, is it captures some of the things that you did not get to experience when you were growing up. <laughs> 
Yes, 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 for sure. And I think it's something that, as I listened in the opening introduction, is why it feels so different. I don't think it was just me, if I can be honest. I think there may have been generations or even a, a specific generation of folks who really paid attention to how they were parented as opposed to just being parented. And as a result, we began to look at, well, how is this affecting both the child and the parent and the caregiver? Mm -hmm. And so I agree with you that I think, yeah, um, I was not parented this way. And gentle parenting is definitely different than I think a lot of us were parented. How about you, Dan? What would you say are the key ingredients of gentle parenting? I really, I really like uh, what my colleague just said about the ideal. I just want to put that out. Like the, I, this is an ideal, which is often hard to, um, to be in twenty four hours a day. Um, very similar. The, the, the main key points to me are empathy, their respect, their relationship, and. Also, the thing that does not get talked about or, or gets lost in this conversation are boundaries. And you really, and I, again, I, I think this is where this, this approach, sometimes people misunderstand it, that you can be both empathic and really be in tune with, or tr and try to be in tune with what your child's behavior is communicating to try to understand where they're coming from, while also come out at the other end with some boundaries and natural consequences for behavior. Um, important in this approach is not just looking at behavior, consequencing behavior, but what is it telling us? Huh. What is it telling us? So then can you give me an example of a scenario where gentle parenting is being practiced, like maybe a typical scenario that a parent would have with a child? Sort of gentle parent us through that a little yes. bit. Yes. Okay. Did. So I think of a few in different ages. One would be, let's say, a child who doesn't want to go to school, right? So a child who's having tantrums in the morning and they do not want to get dressed. There can be a myriad of reasons why that child does not want to get dressed. One is a child can have sensory issues. A child can just be not crabby, didn't have a good night's sleep. Uh, a child could be fearful of school because something is happening at school or they're not comfortable at school or they don't feel comfortable going to the bathroom at school. There's all these things that we don't often know with younger kids and we just see behavior and crying. In this, we want the big thing is empathy. You know, oh, you seem really upset. I see you don't. I hear you don't want to go to school. Um, do you know why you don't want to go to school? You know, some kids are verbal. So many kids are not, particularly at younger ages. Um, I know it's really important that we have to go to school. I know when I was your age, sometimes I didn't want to go either. And then you try to distract the child. But what happens a lot in more of the traditional parenting or the authoritarian parenting of 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 the traditional past is. Do as I say, we need to do this now, and then we elevate, we get more frustrated. Many parents were parented through fear and anger and shame, and so we automatically do that and put that on our kids, which only then increases generally the emotional meltdown and the increased negative behavior. So then, Mercedes, is that what meant when people say that gentle parenting is about beginning with a conversation when there is an incident. Yes, it is. And again, uh, thank you uh, to my fellow colleague as well for laying it out that way with that example, because it's really a practice too, right? And so you began to have these conversations with your child, within your family, even within yourself, 
right? I love that idea of empathy that was kind of brought out here because if you don't have empathy for yourself and you don't practice it with yourself, it's hard to give it to others. If you're not connecting with yourself, it's hard to connect to others. And so I often encourage parents that not only is it a conversation, but it's also a practice. This is something that you and your family are doing together, even in your small moments of having conversations about what to do or having conversations about what we're going to watch on TV. Those are the foundations for being able to manage even the morning routine that my colleague just discussed, right? It's like these things are going to be embedded in our lives as opposed to just waiting for conflict to finally begin to use them. Well, we have listeners weighing in, and Jason writes, We do some gentle parenting at home with our kids, and it seems to go well, and it's much more aligned with my personality. I grew up with a lot of yelling at home. It's nice to not do that. Martina on Discord writes, One point about the challenges with gentle parenting, once the child has gotten to the point of aggression or oppositional behavior, you're out of options. You have to go back and repair and hope for better outcomes next time, thanks to strengthening the bond. While I find that repair mindset super helpful with my kids, it doesn't help with the actual behavior itself or preventing it from happening again. Having tools to actually modify that behavior and help them learn that they've crossed a line into socially unacceptable behavior seems vital to me in terms of responsible parenting. That's not just about family dynamics and individual flourishing, but also about how we treat others in general. So I'm curious, Dan, I mean, you mentioned boundaries. You mentioned consequences. Um, What does happen after the conversation, right? What is the next step? Right. Well, so it depends on the the situation, right? There's some, if we have a continuum of like one to 10 and 10 being very severe behavior, I I think those are different situations. There can be very aggressive behavior. There can be very uh, mean words, particularly as the kids get older, uh, a lot of disrespect or uh, damaging of property. Let's say those are the extreme. That to me is, is more severe and different than someone who doesn't listen or someone who forgot to do something they were asked to do. So I do think the importance of repair is very important. So there's the conversation. And in that conversation, okay, this is what's going on. I see you're upset. I uh, understand you don't want to do this. Now, let's say it's escalating. It's escalating. It's escalating. When we get into escalation, what we're all taught is that's when the brain goes offline. Our limbic system, our emotional brain generally takes over and our prefrontal cortex, our thinking brain shuts down. So you have a kid who's very emotional. That's not when it's time for conversation. So I think what happens a lot is these gentle parenting techniques... Uh, parents think they need to use them in the midst of, let's call it a meltdown. Nothing registers in those situations. So if we get to that DEFCON level, it's really about just keeping everyone safe and getting through the moment. And then when everyone's calmed down, and we call that regulation or co-regulation because we parents have to regulate ourselves in order to be in a situation with an unregulated child, one of the reasons this is exhausting at times. And then later we come back and we talk about it. So everything doesn't have to happen right in the moment. That's another misconception. You come back and talk about it. Now, if there is a pattern of behavior that continues after you've had these conversations, you've problem solved, there might even be a natural consequence and it keeps reoccurring, then we got to dig a little deeper and figure out what do we need to do as a family? Is a child having some regulation issues, some executive functioning issues? Are there other things at play that we also need to look at if this just regular parenting approach doesn't slowly turn the um, the ship. Now, I will say the approach is not about stopping behavior. 
or really changing behavior in the moment. It's about teaching a child over time how to understand their own emotions, how to understand their behavior, how to understand the impact of their behavior on others. And they learn that from us as we are continuing to model the kind of behavior. You know, the the joke is um, yelling at your kid to stop yelling at their sibling, right? We're not modeling the behavior if we're not showing calmness, we're not showing, okay, I need to move, remove myself from the situation, I need to come back. And so these are all the things that yeah. it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of thought. Mercedes, I feel like I've heard you say something similar where um, parents don't realize that they don't have to try to converse through the meltdown, that they can take a moment for themselves, trust their instincts in that moment, and then choose a calmer one when to have the conversation again. Yes, I always say that um, because, again, gentle parenting isn't the absence of emotions or conflict or this disruption. Uh, gentle parenting is about how do we learn as a family that we all will have these moments and we're going to have to work together to get through them. And so, as my colleague said, when parents are able to take a step back and say, you know, this might be a hard time to have this, or if their child's in the middle of a meltdown, trying to yell at them to stop, as like my colleague said, kind of becomes counterproductive. And so what you want to do with your gentle parenting kind of idea is to think, well, I want my child to learn that when they're upset, there are ways to share that and let us know that. How do I let them know? And one way is to take a step back, to acknowledge maybe I am in a space now that I need to kind of get back to myself and I'll come back to this conversation in a minute. We're trying to better understand the parenting approach known as gentle parenting this hour with Mercedes Samudio, a licensed clinician and author of Shameproof Parenting, Find Your Unique Parenting Voice, Feel Empowered, and Raise Whole Healthy Children. Mercedes is based in Southern California. Dan Peters is based in the Bay Area, a psychologist and parenting expert, host of the podcast Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan, also author of Make Your Warrior a Warrior, and co-author of Bright Complex Kids. And you, our listeners, are joining the conversation. Do you practice gentle parenting? What have you experienced or noticed? What questions do you have about the approach? More after the break. I'm Mina Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way, from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about gentle parenting this hour, and we're inviting you, our listeners, to share with us if you are someone who tries to practice gentle parenting, what you've experienced or noticed. Maybe you've noticed others doing it and have had reactions to it or it's raised questions for you. 
If you like the approach, maybe you have questions for our guests about how to use it in certain scenarios. Dan Peters is a psychologist and parenting expert. Mercedes Samudio is a licensed clinician and parent expert as well. And uh, you can join us by emailing forum at kqed.org, finding us on our social channels at KQED Forum on X Instagram or our digital community on Discord. You can always call us at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. And let me go to caller Lauren in Oakland. Hi, Lauren. You're on. Hi, Nina. Good morning. Morning. What's on your mind? Um, I'm so glad you're discussing this. I think I'm, I'm an early childhood professional. Um, I've been in working in a preschool in Berkeley for the last 10 plus years. And I think um, something I've noticed is sort of the rise or widespreadness of gentle parenting is that some parents come to the preschool teachers asking, how can I parent without consequences? <laughs> how do I parent with, you know, how do I do it? Um, and we have, have, I'm finding we're filling in that gap by saying, actually, like, hmm. you can't. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren, I think your line is breaking up a little bit, but I think I heard you say that parents are wondering how they can maybe parent without consequences or boundaries. And Dan, before the break, I was hearing you say that this is a common misconception, that mm-hmm. gentle parenting does not include these things. But it almost sounds like maybe the parents themselves who are trying to do it have this misconception. Agreed. And there's so much pressure these days about being a parent and raising healthy, successful, happy, whatever the words are. There's just so much for, for the conscious, caring parent. There's just a lot of pressure because there is so much social media. There are, there are so many books. There are so many wonderful shows talking about it. Like, And so I would say it's then our job to educate these well-meaning parents that the the importance of boundaries and natural and logical consequences to help our kids learn about themselves, learn about the world, and learn where the boundaries are and what happens when you cross them. Because without that, we don't get good outcomes. So this is where it gets more into that permissive parenting approach um, that is often talked about in the 60s and still happens now, where if Kids don't do well if they there's limits not set for them and they know where there the line for right and wrong or doing this or not doing this is okay. So it's an opportunity to educate them about the importance of consequences and boundaries in the context of a gentle parenting approach. Because again, a lot of the parents don't want to do the wrong thing. They're coming from a good place. Well, Susan writes, as a psychologist active in parent education, my observation is that parents often have a hard time tolerating their child's discomfort. But it's a necessary parenting skill. Empathy and boundaries are not mutually exclusive. Boundaries are a gift to children and their parents. Mercedes, have you encountered this too when you're advising parents, maybe that they are doing a little bit of overvalidation and maybe under... Correcting, I don't want to use that word, but, you know, sort of along those lines. And if you are seeing that, what does it lead to? Uh, what what kinds of sort of scenarios or challenges does that lead to? Well, I think I'll speak to directly the idea of gentle parenting being permissive or being seen that way yeah. and really agreeing with others that, um it can be really difficult at times to gentle parent with that idea. And so when you gentle parent with that idea, 
oftentimes you will start to undercorrect. And I think that's a, a good word. You think, oh, am I being too disciplinary? Am I being too um, hard on my child? What I often say is if you worry about being hard on your child, take a step back and get to know your child. How do they respond to different types of commands or demands? What's their personality like? When we undercorrect or we overindulge, we do things where we make the child really unsure of what their limits are and what their boundaries are. But when we get to know our children, we support them and scaffold them in developing their skill set and developing their identity. And that's what boundaries and limits help do. And so again, I think that's the best way to kind of reframe the idea of gentle parenting. So being too permissive can be a a disservice to the child is sort of what you're describing, Mercedes. And I'm going to bring Annie Pazala into the conversation to better understand what effect that can have on parents or maybe an application of gentle parenting <laughs> uh, that may or may not, you know, be within the realm of what gentle parenting is trying to advocate for, what kind of effect that can have on parents. Annie Pazala is an assistant professor of developmental psychology and family studies at McAllister College and published a recent piece in the conversation called Gentle Parenting Can Be Really Hard on Parents, New Research Suggests. Um, and it's based on research that she and and her co-author, Allison Davidson, Alice Davidson, conducted. Annie, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. So, Annie, talk to us a little bit about, you know, one of the things that I was struck by in your study findings, which is that parents were saying things like they felt like they were exhausted, overwhelmed. You had some quotes of, like, hanging on for dear life. Can you just share a little bit about how often that came up in the results? I can, yeah. Um, my colleague, Dr. Alice Davidson, and I, we gathered data from over 100 parents across the country asking them to tell us about their parenting approach. And we did not specifically recruit gentle parents. We only required that our uh, participants have at least one kid between the ages of two and seven um, because we're so interested in that mm-hmm. juncture of time and development Um, But about half of our sample acknowledged or identified themselves as gentle parents and a subset of that sample. um, And this was about 40 percent of those gentle parents. They acknowledged profound feelings of weariness. Um, They would say things like you said, they feel out of control. Some of them wrote and this was all um, unprompted. Uh, from Alice and me. They just acknowledged things like, I'm hanging on for dear life. They would write things to us in the survey that um, I try to be gentle, but it can be challenging working full-time and being stressed and having little support. Some of them wrote things like, I confess I have no idea what I'm doing much of the time. So I think it speaks to this um, pressure. And like my colleague Dan, like you said, there's a tremendous pressure right now, I think, to be these perfect parents. And um, at least from a subset of the folks that we studied in this in this particular research project, they seem to be pretty worn out. I'm so struck by that last comment of someone saying that uh, I have no idea what I'm doing much of the time. Because your study mm-hmm. looked at whether or not gentle parenting is well-defined. And and so is it, or did you find that parents were sort of defining it on their own? 
Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons why Alice and I were so um, eager to do this study, because although I think gentle parenting has been um, broadly touted, especially on social media, um, as a really appealing approach, and one that, like Mercedes, you were saying, is a, an appealing um, um, opposite approach from how many of us were raised, um, from perhaps like the old school authoritarian approaches of lots of discipline and no warmth, it really hasn't been defined. Gentle parenting has not been clearly operationalized. And so Alice and I, um, that was one of our major questions. For all the parents who identified as gentle, we asked them to tell us, what do you mean by that? And um, it's been fun to analyze that data. Why do you think this became so popular, uh, Dr. Pazala? I'm just curious what you think the appeal is. You, you sort of mentioned the fact that it's the opposite of what we were raised with, but what other things really sort of made its popularity soar? I do think it it merits a little bit more attention on that, the opposite um, of how we were raised phenomenon. And that's something that Alice and I are finding in our data, that many of our participants who identify as gentle, they explicitly state, I want to do the opposite of what my parents did with me. I want to show my children more love and more um, affection than what I was shown. You know, I will never tell my children, I told you so, as I was told, you know. These are things that our participants have shared with us. So I do think that's a huge piece of this gentle parenting movement. We want to move away from um, perhaps that that paradigm. But I also think that gentle parenting has exploded in popularity, um, especially in the wake of the pandemic, when there when the normal sort of circles and and social communities that we would lean into as parents, and I'm a parent, as is my colleague Alice, that we would typically um, turn to for support and assistance, those sort of went away, or at least we couldn't be together in in real time, um, human being to human being. So we often turn to our phones, to social media, um, and to these online communities. And that's when these, I think, lovely, um, bite-sized, highly curated, moments of gentle parenting um, became prevalent and really appealing to a lot of young parents who are just trying to do right by their children in a, a time of, you know, tremendous existential angst and anxiety and loneliness. And, you know, the notion of um, showering affection upon your children when the world might seem really bleak and scary, that's very appealing. Um and there's much, I think, that should be celebrated about gentle parenting. But Alice and I want to take a, a really critical look at exactly what this is, how people, like what the lived experiences of gentle parents, um, and, you know, our hopes. We've got a, a small sample, but we're, um, we're gathering more data and we hope to do some longitudinal work where we're following not only the parents, but we also get to um, study their children as well. Yeah, it's interesting um, that this approach is one that is not traditional, not born of scholarship, right, as you pointed <laughs> out in your piece. And, and in fact, whoever has sort of determined themselves as sort of the self-described founder, right, of gentle parenting, right. it's it's somebody who 
is a parent also somebody who um, I think is a child educator or someone who is also uh, knowledgeable in the space, but it's not like it was an academic discipline that was, you know, studied and tested and put out there um, through a lot of rigorous research. And so going back to that earlier point, too, about people, you know, defining it on their own to sort of fill maybe that gap. Jennifer on Discord asks, what are some tips on not putting yourself too much into your kid or the situation. For example, I might think I know exactly how my kid feels because I can look back to when I was a kid, but that very much might not be the case for my kid, especially since the world today is not the world I grew up in. Hmm, Dan, do you have any thoughts on this? Yes, that is a self-aware parent. So that just that question and the way it's phrased is beautiful. And that to me is the cornerstone of all of what I would consider the effective parenting approaches and the approaches. And that's why we have to be too careful not to pigeonhole anyone into thinking there is only one way to parent and this way produces X and this way produces Y. Uh, People and dynamics, uh, relationship dynamics are much too complex. Having self-awareness is in a very critical part about being either a conscious parent, a gentle parent, an aware parent, a positive parent, all of these terms where you actually consider what your child might be going through by trying to look through their eyes to have that empathy and put yourself aside. Yes, we need to be aware of how we were parented, what felt good to us, what did not feel good, our own experiences. That is all part of it, but it should not lead it. And so just that the question is there, the way it's phrased is, It's so important to try to understand what your child is going through, which is one of the main tenets of gentle parenting, is trying to understand your child. It doesn't mean we're going to do it right. Um, We're going to do it wrong a lot. You're also going to yell because you're human. Um, And I think this is where we have to have this humility and this grace. And um, as Mercedes said at the top of the show about the ideal, like we can have ideals, but there still is reality. And um, so the message to everyone is we have to be real while we're trying to be the best versions of ourselves in these moments. Well, let me go to caller Catherine in San Francisco. Catherine, you're on. Hi, uh, thanks so much for the topic. I have an almost five-year-old, he'll be five in a couple of weeks, who was diagnosed with autism about six months ago. And um, when he was 10 weeks old, my husband and I, he has a little sister as well, but when he was 10 weeks old, my husband and I were beginning our parenting journey, and we decided we wanted to meet him where he was and always um, do our best to preserve his wisdom. We kind of thought he was, like, born super smart, and all we are going to do is beat it out of him mm. with our adult uh, baggage. And it has been a real challenge. I, I, I don't actually use social media. I've just been listening to the recent topics. I stopped using it when he was about one. Um, it has been it has been really hard uh, with the other with the higher generation like the grandparents or the older aunts and uncles, or even just people on the street who, if he's having a meltdown, will say, "You need to slap that kid," or "Give him two weeks with me, and I'll get him potty trained," um, or um, you know. And what we've seen is when we push back on him, basically it just gets worse. It gets harder and harder and harder. And what I have learned from him is I have learned how to do my own emotional regulation. I am a naturally very sensitive person. I've always identified as sensitive, but I have gotten so good. It's taking a long time 
But I've gotten so good at regulating my own emotions to the point where my autistic child, um, when we were riding our bikes last summer, said to me, Mama, you don't cry anymore Um, because he's noticed. And so this is where the repair can come weeks later, months later. um, And it's been great. I mean, he used to have a meltdown every at bedtime in the middle of the night and in the morning. And now we have one maybe every couple of weeks or months, and we can always figure out what's the trigger. He went on a multi-month bath strike. He bathed, you know, regularly, didn't brush his teeth. It took a lot of work, and I am burnt out, (laughs) but I'm also proud of it. The growth that he and my family have gone through has been amazing. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for sharing that story, Catherine. It's really lovely to hear what you've been through and where you are now with it. Um, Mercedes, would love to get your reaction um, to what Catherine was saying, but also just curious to what to do if your parenting style is very different, maybe from other people who are around your kid. Well, first off, amazing. I just want to say that was such an amazing journey that you and your family have gone through. And so I hope that at the end of this and where you are now, you're able to give yourself that pat on the back and give yourself that high five because you actually did exactly what all of us today, uh, Dan, Annie, and myself have all said about gentle parenting. You decided that you were going to let your child lead and learn about who he was and what helped him to get back to regulation. And so that's exactly what I would say to parents who are struggling with family members who believe in maybe older styles of parenting or believe that they raised you and your siblings and you turned out fine, so do it the same way as us, is to do exactly what this caller did, to really get to know your son, your daughter, your child, to say, okay, I know who they are and how to help them. And that's what we're going to focus on instead. Well, um, the listener writes, we recently took a trip to a friend's cabin in early November. It was shocking and exhausting to witness the gentle parenting technique applied by our friend. Her daughter was out of control, had no concept of sharing at age three, and was constantly screaming at her mother and everyone else. Gentle parenting might work for some, but it definitely was not working for our friend. She's had to put relationships on hold and friendships on hold because she can't trust anyone to watch her child. So again, the situation where it sounds like people have very different ideas of how you parent kind of coming into conflict. We could talk a little bit more about that after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way, from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found you. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about the benefits and limits of gentle parenting, what it means to be a gentle parent, and why some parents who do are experiencing burnout. We're talking with Dan Peters, a psychologist and parenting expert. We're also talking with Mercedes Samudio, a licensed clinician, and Annie Pizzala, assistant professor of developmental psychology and family studies at McAllister College, who is starting to do research on gentle parenting. We're also hearing from you, our listeners, how you practice gentle parenting, whether or not it's working for you, what you've experienced or noticed, how you have experienced others using gentle parenting if you yourself are not a parent or do not use this particular approach, the questions that you have about it. You can email forum at kqed.org. You can post on our social channels, which are at KQED Forum. We're on Instagram. We're on Discord. We're on Twitter. You can call us at 866-733-6786. A couple of reflections. Robin writes, my husband and I practice gentle parenting most of the time on our four- and two-year-olds and laugh often that it is exhausting for parents. It causes parents to be on all the time, able to communicate with their small child on a high level. We spend lots of time validating feelings while setting boundaries and offering two choices like, I know you might be upset about not getting another cookie, but we haven't had dinner yet. You can have another cookie after you've had your healthy foods at dinner. It's a lot, but it does seem to help more than yelling and scolding. Akiko writes, when I became a parent five years ago, the idea of gentle parenting, of not using punishments and shame really appealed to me. But in practice, I was often struggling to be gentle and practice empathy and respect toward my child and my spouse. That made me feel like I was failing, which just added to my overwhelm. But once I started to frame challenging parenting situations in terms of my child's unmet needs and my own unmet needs, my overwhelm decreased significantly. You know, Annie, I am curious how much of both the appeal and the difficulty of gentle parenting is tied to a broader lack of systemic support for parents. Like many have pointed to our sort of meager maternity and paternity leave policies relative to other developed countries as as an example of how our culture regards the importance of of parenting in the early years. I think there's a a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Um, Alice and I did not ask our participants in our research, you know, tell us about your um, your communities of support in uh, your parenting. But many of our participants um, referenced um, authors that they're reading or podcasts that they're turning to or books that they've read. Um, the gentle parents in our study were incredibly articulate and I think as our callers have have illuminated, really hardworking and so earnest in trying to do their very best as parents. But one of the things that was notably absent in the data that Alice and I have um, been analyzing is any mention of I lean on my mom or I call my grandma or I I, I rely on my trusted friends huh. or community for help. So I do think there's, yeah, this kind of systemic gap or chasm out there um, in terms of that, the typical support that, you know, from the days of old um, has been a part of raising children. You know, it takes a village and um, perhaps we're not utilizing that village so much anymore. What do you think about that, Mercedes? Because I think you have also described gentle parenting as sort of like community child rearing. So the fact that Annie is saying that a lot of people aren't aren't doing this in community or with a lot of support is interesting to me. 
Uh, you're spot on. And so is Annie and her research. I think listening to what you just shared, Annie, about how many people did not share who they relied on is a really interesting point to point out when we're looking at gentle parenting, because gentle parenting actually does require community. And I think the way sometimes it can be marketed on social media, the way I think Dan and Annie and Uh even you yourself uh, talked about, it can make it seem like I have to do it by myself. But I 100% agree. I think we have to do it in community, whether it's our actual families or our actual communities. We go out to the world and find people who support us and give us the feedback that we deserve and actually need to be sustainable and to actually parent children with this level of empathy and compassion that they all seem to want to do. But our communities and our societies seem to be a huge barrier to them being able to do that. Dan, I'm curious what you have found works to try to get people on board who may have a different parenting style if they're going to be around your child. Yeah, that's a good question because I think the another potential barrier that we that's what we're talking around is when there might be some people to help, but they are not going to parent in the way that is consistent with how you want your child parented. And often there's grandparents and aunts and uncles or, you know, the the extended kin might have more of that old school traditional approach. So I think it's, it is about thinking about the audience, knowing who you're speaking to, knowing what their experience is of being raised to the degree that you can and also how they've raised you their children, whether that's you or others, and and try to explain the approach that you're finding effective for your child. Um, it's really challenging to have these conversations without offending people who parent different, particularly, particularly people who have parented for maybe several decades longer than you have, and without sort of putting yourself in a less less than position. A theme that's going through so many of these callers is trust yourself. Trust yourself about what you know about your child because we get so much feedback from other well-intentioned family and friends that often don't hit the mark. And even physicians and other professionals that might not be understanding your child. So first, trust yourself and then just try to be mindful about explaining an approach of what you have found effective with your child. And then you see what happens. And often it's it might be several conversations. And in some extreme cases, you're not going to feel comfortable maybe leaving your child, unfortunately, with certain people if they have an approach that is wildly different than yours and you do not feel good for your child. And Mercedes, I'd love just any advice you have about dealing with burnout because we're hearing this come up a lot and exhaustion. I mean, is this more work, especially on the front end, and can it lead to exhaustion? And if so, what do you tell parents to do to try to deal with that? So yes, it can lead to exhaustion. I think that's just what child raising is. What I'll give parents who are making this commitment to gentle parenting, to try to do things differently, to try to parent with more empathy and connection, is when you're starting to feel burnt out, that's the time to turn it on yourself as well. You're still human. And just as the caller earlier said, their child even asked them, mommy, you don't cry anymore. You still get to be human while you're raising your children. You get to tell them that you're sleepy and you're tired. And yeah, it's hard for me sometimes. And so I often tell parents that the empathy and the compassion that you show your children or that you really want to show your children, I implore you to try to give it back to yourself as well, because that's what's going to help you sustain, not quote unquote, getting it right or being perfect as a gentle parent. 
Well, the listener writes, thank you to your expert for acknowledging the role that the pandemic and the ensuing isolation of us young parents turning to social media ideals have negatively impacted the expectations that I place on myself. I am in tears as I listen to this. It makes me feel seen in a time when I often feel invisible in the world. You know, Dr. Vassal, I'm wondering how gentle parenting and what is put out there might need to change. Like, are you starting to hear practitioners on social media, you know, who are advisors or who are demonstrating it and so on, trying to address some of the concerns that have been raised about gentle parenting? Hmm. Well, first of all, I mean, I just like put a hand to my heart in hearing the words of that um, (laughs) listener that um, means a great deal. And, um, yeah, I'm, I am grateful for those words. So thank you. Um, but I do think this point of um, the, what's this, what's the messaging that's, that's going out about gentle parenting. It's already being nuanced and it's changing and evolving since I think more, a, a more critical appraisal of this approach has come about even in the few months since that piece on the conversation came out where Alice and I were able to share a little bit about the burnout of gentle parents. Um, There's been more chatter on social media about, you know, oh, this isn't gentle parenting. This is sturdy parenting. Or um, I'm not, I'm not gentle. I've got a backbone. Look at me making boundaries. Um, So I think already there is um, kind of a prickliness about, or there's some tiptoeing around this idea of gentle parenting that perhaps it's not, Maybe it's not a hundred percent what um, what it should be or could be, but perhaps the, the broader question that Alice and I continue to ask is: um, Is there even an an ideal out there that we should be striving for? I mean, parenting is messy business, and it is such a you know idiosyncratic individual to individual, parent to parent experience, that the notion that there is a right way or to parent the right way, um, I think it behooves us to take, you know, a few steps back. And um, I mean, like Mercedes and Dan have already said, like to to show grace to parents um, and to um, perhaps just welcome the messiness and the humility that comes with parenting. There's not a right way to do it, um, to tune into your intuition, to show yourself the kindness that I think so many parents are showing to their children Hmm. um, is super, super important. Just briefly, one of the findings that Alice and I have uncovered in our data is that in many of our gentle parents' responses, one of the questions that we've asked them is tell us about how you handle um, a situation or you've handled a situation when your child has misbehaved. And we put that in air quotes because of course that looks different depending on the parent and the child. But so many of our gentle parents um, articulated like much grace and patience and, um, uh, and gentleness toward their children, but not toward themselves. In fact, many of them wrote in these responses about how they handled their um, their their child's moment of tantrum or something that, you know, I didn't do that right. Or um, I know I shouldn't have done this, but but I did it. Or 
um, I've, I've heard that I shouldn't talk to my child that way. And so, you know, next time when I'm feeling more resourced, I'm going to do it differently. You know, they're just incredibly hard on themselves. And so, um, grace and, and goodness to all you gentle parents out there. You're doing a great job. Grace. You know? Yeah. Grace for parents. Um, well, let me remind listeners, you're listening to Forum. I mean, Kim. Naomi writes, can your guest speak about the cultural differences of gentle parenting? As an African-American mom of two children, I've adopted the notion of gentle parenting. I do feel a great loss of control in many situations because of the added leeway and grace that's given to my children. Kids of color deserve the same grace as non-kids of color, but they don't often get it. And when my children have a meltdown, the cultural judgment is very real. I don't know, Dan or Mercedes, if you want to take that one. It is real. I'd love to. Go, yeah. Mercedes, go for it. Um, I'd love to because I'm currently researching uh, the mental health of African-American families due to what that uh, responder just talked about. I think there is a cultural uh, shift that needs to happen for African-American families, their child raising and their children's existence in order for that to really seep into the ways in which we talk about parenting. But I also think in our parenting world, we need to be more expansive when we are doing our research and when we are creating our diagnostic kind of tools, are we incorporating the lived experiences of African-Americans as the responder talked about or other indigenous and people of color in this world? Are we also including their lived experiences and their cultural understandings of child raising as we're putting together these ideas and these ideals and these frameworks for parenting? And so I think it's something that we definitely do need to consider as a society as well as as a field. Yeah. Well, let me go to um, Howry in San Bruno, and then I'm going to have you respond, Dan. Howry, go ahead. Hi there. Um, can you all hear me? Yep. Hi. Um, so I'm a doctor of clinical psychology, and I'm also a Bay Area attorney. And so the combination um, basically makes me a magnet for really high-conflict custody cases. And I've been using the sort of gentle parenting approach for about two years now. I have a five-year-old and a six-year-old. And I wanted to speak briefly on my experience with the exhaustion part that keeps coming up as a theme and how... I have started to um, bring the gentle parenting approach into the custody cases and what I've seen and how um, the court more or less, um, you know, look at that approach when there's a, dis- a custody dispute, which is in a huge, huge percentage of children are being raised by parents um, who are not in sync necessarily, don't, aren't cohabitating or are not applying the same approach. Um, with the exhaustion that everybody's feeling, I mean, this is such a great episode because it was that's been my experience too, but what I would say to parents who are interested in this approach and find themselves burnt out is it it really gets better. Um, this past year, my five-year-old, um, I mean, both of both my kids are basically social leaders in their classrooms. They are problem solvers with other four-year-olds and five-year-olds in ways that I never would have imagined. And the problem-solving, you know, conversations are getting easier. They're being initiated by the kids. Um, when I bring these concepts into I mean, I can't not bring them in because it's it's my life um, into the custody cases. The two biggest sort of issues that come up is that the divorce process itself is inherently 
uh, antithetical to the collaborative problem solving, which I think is sort of at the crux of the gentle or respectful parenting approach. So it gets really hard, I think, during a dispute, during the custody dispute, to model it in your own interpersonal family. And you're so sort Mm, of tired and stressed. Right from the divorce, that it, it really makes it even harder to implement. So I would just echo what one of the experts said about how it's a, it's a way of life. And if you can start you know, sort of using it ahead of time, if a parent finds themselves in a dispute or a custody dispute and they haven't been using this model or before and they want to start using it while they are in a custody dispute, it can be really difficult because yeah. there is. You know, a lot of times judges, older generations will see it as permissive. Um, And so the advice I would have is to do your homework and have a clinician involved who's in line with it, a child therapist or a mediator or somebody. Yeah. Uh, I I appreciate you bringing it into this realm because I hadn't really thought of it this way. I mean, I guess the the question that's been coming up a lot for people is when, when gentle parenting strategies fail, what do you do next? And I know you talked about this a little bit earlier, but I am wondering if you have just any final thoughts Mm -hmm. about that, because it does seem to be pervading a lot of people's thoughts right now. Yes. So this approach, um, again, the values of this approach um, can be very effective. The thing I want to add quickly that um, this last caller alluded to is we're looking for not necessarily immediate outcomes, but longer term outcomes. This is for raising kids that are more self-aware and that um, are aware of others and ultimately have problem solving and regulation skills in life. Now, if this isn't working, there are a lot of kids that have lots of intensities and neurodivergence that may or may not have been um, be understood and diagnosed. And this is when you reach out to a parent educator, to a child therapist, to your pediatrician, because you can't do it all alone. And if you're trying everything and still you're not seeing a change in some pretty extreme behavior and emotions, get some professional help. Um, ask for help because there are others there to support you. Well, I want to thank Dan Peters, a psychologist and parenting expert, host of the podcast Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan for joining us. Also, Mercedes Samudio, a licensed clinician. Her book is Shameproof Parenting, Find Your Unique Parenting Voice, Feel Empowered and Raise Whole Healthy Children. And also uh, Dr. Annie Pazala, assistant professor of developmental psychology and family studies at McAllister College. I also want to thank our listeners for sharing their stories, their tips and their experiences and their questions. I want to thank Caroline Smith for producing today's segment. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Feel the world around me. I had no time to choose what I chose to do. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, The smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house. 
even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite- Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis from KQED Podcasts comes on our watch season two. New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.